How's everybody doing? One person was really excited to see me. Tiana, good to see you. I'm Josh. I've been gone for a while. Some of you are like, I don't care. Others uh, you. I care a little bit, but not as much as you think I care. So either way, I'm back from a little time off. I lead Next Gen, kids through college, and I get to preach from time to time on Sunday. And I get to teach this nice, succinct little passage on stealing. Do not steal, Paul says. It's a very simple message, but then he gives it some nuance and adds to it. So we're going to dive into this. Before I start, I wanted to have a little fun, so I googled, what's the most shoplifted item out there? Pre-Christian days and a little into my Christian days, I used to shoplift back in high school and college. It was kind of my, one of my things. <laughs> the thing I stole, embarrassingly enough, was hair dye because I didn't want to <laughs> buy it. My dad would not buy me blonde tips, so I had to go steal $8 bleach so I could have blonde tips for the high school ladies. But what do you think is the number one shoplifted item out there today? Throw out some ideas. Candy bars. That's a good one. No. What? Huh? Makeup. That's also good. And no, the I read two different studies. Here's what one of them said. Cheese. That's just awesome. Because my wife does nothing bad. If she were to get into shoplifting, though, she would steal cheese like it was just Colby Jack, blocks of Colby Jack in her diaper bag. I know that's what she would do. The thing is, cheese or meat are the top two things stolen as companies turn in these stats. So people steal. Some people probably are stealing to feed others, but stealing is a real thing that exists in this world. We're all aware of it. What I'm also aware of is this passage on the surface doesn't seem like it necessarily applies as broadly to us in this room because like uh, me, you probably put, a lot, put aside your shoplifting days and the just shoplifting, stealing side of you is no more. But this passage is here for a reason. Paul is getting to the nitty-gritty of the Christian life. Here's what I love about the Apostle Paul, and here's what I love about Christianity. It's another proof that I think Christianity is true. The Bible, and specifically in this letter, the Apostle Paul covers everything. Ephesians 1 through 3, which we covered months ago, is this broad comprehensive, theological, philosophical view of what God is doing in the world. He is taking heaven and is it, he is bringing it down to earth in the person of Jesus and he is reconciling all things back to himself. This just huge mural Paul paints in the first three chapters of what God is doing. It's beautiful, it's robust, it's wonderful, it's the backdrop of life. And now chapter four, Paul comes down to the ground with us, eye level, and he tackles some just rubber meeting the road topics of what it means now to live as a Christian. Stop doing this, start doing this. Stop this, do this instead. It's very practical. The image he says is put off, like take off these clothes and put on these new clothes. I'm a dad, this time off I spent a lot of being a dad. And people are gonna ask me, how was your time off? I'm gonna say Texas was awesome, San Diego was awesome. Parenting is brutal for little boys. But there's one thing in particular about parenting that is just at the bottom of my enjoyment. It's the thing I just despise. And it's not diapers. I'm fine with poop. It's getting them dressed. 
It's terrible. Those of you without kids yet, you're like, you're like, all right, you want to leave? Yeah, I want to leave. And you walk out the door and you're done. You're like leaving. Kids, you got to get them dressed and you got to put them into shoes that don't quite fit anymore, but they still love them. And you got to teach them how to tie their shoes and all. It's just a painful process. I didn't teach my oldest to tie shoes. He learned somewhere. He's doing it. Thank you, whoever did it, if it's one of the Sunday school teachers. But I'm not going to teach any of my boys how to tie their shoes. It's terrible. That's the imagery. So the image we're stepping into with Paul and Luke and others have covered is taking off clothes that used to fit perfectly when Jesus was not part of your life, when the Holy Spirit was not inside of you, when you could care less about the things of the Lord, there was a natural way to live, a natural set of clothing that just sat perfectly on you. Now you've stepped into faith. Jesus is in your life. He is your Lord. The Holy Spirit indwells you. And you're trying to take off clothes that you used to really enjoy and put on clothes that don't fit on this old self anymore. And you're putting on a new set of clothing. That's what Paul's talking about in this section. So we're covering a few different things. Luke set us up well with the put off, put on, because. This is Paul's rhythm through this section is put off this thing. Take off this article of clothing. Put on this new type of clothing. And then he gives a reason, because. And Luke gave you this, uh, I believe, last week, maybe the weeks prior. But here's essentially what we're going to cover the next few weeks. I'm in the middle there. We're covering stealing. We're going to talk about corrupting talk. You've heard Luke talk about put off lies, falsehood, put on speaking in truth. Why? Because we are members of one another. This is Paul's section of what Christianity actually looks like. Is a Christian forgiven and going to heaven? Absolutely. But what does it mean to be Christian tomorrow morning when we wake up to start our weekly routine? It's putting off these things. It's putting on these things. It doesn't quite fit because you're leaving behind an old way of doing it and putting on a new godly way of doing it that doesn't always come easy. That's where we're going. So let's pray before we dive into the specific of this section. Father, thanks for just being specific with us. You're your great dad. You give us the big answers to life. You give us the backdrop of where this world came from, where we're at now, and where we're going. And you come and meet us in the day-to-day grind that we have of what it actually feels like and is like to just walk as a Christian in this world. So God, meet us by your spirit in this moment as we desire to put off our old ways and put on new ways. God, be with us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we're just going to cover put off, what are we supposed to put on, and what's the motivation Paul gives. So the first thing we see here in 28 is put off, where do I have it? Let the thief no longer steal. Put off stealing. So I don't normally do this because I don't want to overcomplicate stuff, but I'm going to show you a little bit of my homework to how I came to this passage. This is pretty straightforward, but this was fairly frustrating for me because when I was getting into this passage the first time, I just read it a bunch, read it a bunch, and journal and see how God's speaking to me. And God kind of spoke to me with this, let the thief. It just rung in my head like harsh because all the other time Paul talks, it's about someone who lies. Someone who, this, someone, and then in this instance, it's let the thief, like this scarlet letter, like a thief, an adult, like he used a noun when all these other things he's putting off, putting on, he uses with, here's a verb, here's an action that you used to be a part of. In this instance, he says, let the thief, like you walk in the room and you're just the thief. 
Now, I don't know if that's like the scarlet letter in this room, but some of us walk in with like labels that are tied to actions that we haven't fully walked away from. But as I dove deeper, the Apostle Paul does not use a noun here. That's just how they translate it, which I don't like the way they translate. It really says, let the one who is stealing steal no more. Words matter. I used to be a teacher before as a pastor, and I took a class on special education to get my certification. And I remember asking a question in this class about special needs students. And the professor's little tiny guy, probably 80 years old, said, young man, you don't use that language. They are not special needs students. They are students with special needs. So I just take this as an encouragement. The Apostle Paul is not undressing us with these labels. You're the drunk. You're the thief. You're the adulterer. You're the gossip. He's saying, let us talk. You know those of you who have struggled with drinking and addiction? Those of you who have struggled with? It's just a gracious way to address us all. Like, listen to the actions that used to define you. Let's talk about how to get rid of those and add those on. Let, it says thief, but it's better pronounced or translated, let the one who has been stealing steal no more. Put off stealing. What is stealing? I know this is kind of silly. Like, come on, what, are you serious? What is stealing? But I wanted to just walk us through this. Here's the definition. To take another person's property without permission or legal right and without intending to return it. Simple enough? I tried to simplify it more in my brain. I, I came up with this. It's shady shortcuts. Are you taking shady shortcuts and you're stealing? You're like, well, that's kind of broad. Yeah, it's intentionally so. When Jesus talks to people, he gets more broad to get at the heart level because people can dodge these specifics. Ah, I'm not that type of stealer. But are you a shady shortcutter? Yes. Are you a stealer? Perhaps. The tagline on this Ephesians book, as we've read scripture, we stand up, and then the person at the end says, we want to be faithful as God's people in tomorrow's world. The meaning behind that is we want to apply this book of Ephesians to our hearts collectively and go live out in tomorrow's world, this world that is changing in the last 10 years, 20 years, 40 years has changed so much. We want to be applicable and relevant in today's world, not in a sinful way, but in a reality way. This world is different. So I want to walk through what is stealing in today's world. Because there's some simple answers that we'd all agree upon. If you think this Bible is nonsense, you'd still agree with some of these points I'm going to make. And then there's some complex sort of, oh, I didn't think about that as stealing, that maybe we should think about. So you got this little chart, simple and complex. Have you stolen? We'll go to the left side first. This is the simple stuff. Property. If you've stolen someone's car, give it back. <laughs> now. And here's the thing I know about that. None of you has your car stolen, and then you go and tell your friends, like, ah, oh, my car was stolen. And your friends, like, side with the thief. Like, ah, oh, is it really your, like, did you make it really clear that it was yours? Did, like, it's just simple. That's my car, and you stole it. You broke into my car and stole this. You broke into my house, you stole this. You stole this. It's simple. Identity theft. Nobody agrees with the people stealing others' identity. Like, yeah, uh, uh, 
it seems like they should be able to use the good aspects of your identity and your credit. It's, you know, don't you? It's like kind of shit. No one says that. Don't steal people's identities. It's simple. Stealing from work. If I steal from work, I'm also stealing from the Lord's house, so I'm kind of at a double whammy here. But, uh, <laughs> but have you stolen from work? Have you taken items from work? I was reading through stats, and it was crazy the amount of money lost to employee theft. I mean, it was mind-boggling. Like, I get we're sinners, a bunch of sinny sinners in this world. But just the bravery and the audacity and the, the stealing, like, especially from small companies, it says, who are like people who are trying to make it for themselves and just cross the board, just millions and millions and millions of dollars go to people stealing from companies. No one would side with them and say, yeah, let's hear them out. No, they stole a computer that was their boss's. They need to give it back. Now, this other side is where today's world kicks in. Here's the first one. Are you, so I was a sinner, still am a little bit, working on it. I moved out right when I graduated high school with other sinners, and the first thing we did was hook up cable that we didn't own in our condo so that we could watch SportsCenter. That's called stealing cable. Everyone says that's bad. Yeah, I agree. Nowadays, cable is not like, eh, just stick this thing. It's passwords and accounts that belong to certain people that are actually footing the bill for those things. Now you can just kind of pass out that information. Is that stealing? Come on, Josh. Why are you getting all specific on me and stuff? Like, stay general up in the Christian cloud of, ah. Are you stealing anything digitally right now? I don't know. So it's kind of more complicated than you think. I read a bunch of articles that this one guy said, should I feel guilty for stealing internet or stealing cable? And his subheadline was, maybe. And he kind of walked through like, Every company's a little different. So I just want to show you a little bit of the companies and how they think through it. If you have AT&T or DirecTV, here's what they say. Use the service responsibly. Use your discretion. Sweet. <laughs> I'm set. Not stealing anything. Netflix, if you have the package with multiple streams, stream away. But if you're like the Watt House and you have the one stream and you and your son got a debate when, who's gonna, when the person's going to watch a show because only one thing can be streaming at a single time, you're stuck with that. But if you bought and you upgraded to the big $16 a month package, then good for you. <laughs> Share away. Use caution with these. HBO. I watched HBO at the house I stayed at over vacation. Logged in through someone else, I'm pretty sure. Allow simultaneous streams for a household that says it could include this. A kid away at college, nothing more. Your 45-year-old brother is not your kid away at college. <laughs> your 45-year-old son is not your kid away at college. PlayStation View says the service can be shared with members only in the same household. So if you have that, again, it's, you see the complexity of it. It's more than just, I stole a car that wasn't mine, it's how they even define ownership in this digital world. 
And then here's people who have drawn a hard line in the sand, like cocks. Says the intended use of these services is for members of the subscribing household only. So now it gets right to the Am I logging into a Cox that's not my email account? Or is my email account being used? Then according to Cox, you might be stealing. And according to Paul, you should put that off. Hulu says the same thing. It is intended for use by a single household. Subscriptions can never be shared. This is the worst possible message I could have woken up to come to. It's complicated. But being a Christian is not supposed to be easy. Putting off my kids' clothes and putting on these new clothes, it's not easy. Putting off my old way of living in this life, this self-serving, always me, 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 and putting on this conviction-based life for others takes time. It's not simple. Here's the next thing. Intellectual property. Like, if you're a graphic designer and you design something that you put your whole heart into, and someone down the street has that same logo, that's stealing, they stole what you created with your own intellect. All the young people in the room, I see a lot of my students, this would be cheating on tests and stuff like that. My friend teaches seminary at a school, Castile High School has a Christian seminary tied to it now, like our LDS friends have. And he gets to invite friends or teenagers who want to learn about the Christian faith. And most of them are Christians. And he asked the survey one time, how many guys cheat regularly? And they all raise their hand. You're like, gosh. And you're going to go home and ask Uncle Bob for your cock slogan. We're all doing this stuff we shouldn't be doing. But that's stealing. That's taking something you did not create and calling it your own. It's stealing. And finally... We got time from work. Objects, material things from work, but how many of us are stealing time from work? I was reading a study on people stealing time from work, and it says about up to 7% of payroll goes towards people who didn't really work like they should have. So in money terms, it's $1,000 goes out in payroll. 70 of those dollars are given to people who weren't working like they said they were. Are you stealing as you're allowed to work remotely, which I'm allowed to do? Again, this is way more complex than punching a time card. You're in a location. They watch your breaks. I used to work at Costco. I got two 15-minute breaks. Click in, click out. So many of us have such freedom now. Are we putting off that shortcutting shadiness where we want to take time from our employers? Paul says, put it off. Put it off. Why do we steal? I want to go to this now. It's not every answer's going to be maybe a little different. When I was in high school, it was a peer pressure thing. And then I was embarrassed to ask my dad for hair dye thing. But why would someone steal? I just came up with a few reasons just to kind of walk through. We need, we want what we don't have. Looking at the stats of what's stolen from places, a lot of it's like basic food that I have stocked in my fridge all the time. There's certain folks who steal to get what I have as a given in my fridge. You steal because you need stuff. Or you steal because you want stuff which you don't have. 
called coveting. On the Ten Commandments, it says, thou shalt not steal. And the very next rule is thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's stuff. And in Hebrew, when they wanted to make a point, they repeated sentences or words. Don't covet. Don't covet. That was the Hebrew way of giving an exclamation point. I was to say like, hey, Jewish folks, stop and read this. This is going to be a human problem for all of time. Wanting what we don't have. Next one, we don't want to wait. We just want quick fixes. Easy breezy. We just, like I look at my sons and I look at young people and then I'm friends with a lot of the older generation in this church and I just think how different. Like there used to be a time where people waited to get stuff in life. You're like, tell me about this waiting thing. <laughs> what are you, are you an alien? Like they waited. You know why people didn't have cable? Because they were waiting till their budget allowed for it. Now us young people, me included, especially younger people, especially, like it's just there. Like what do you want? Kid, I kind of have it all. Yeah, I see that second grader with your phone. It's a tough life. Like, we just don't want to wait. It's just such a quick, quick, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. So we take before we are supposed to get it. We don't think we're actually stealing. Like, some of us are stealing currently. We don't really know we're stealing. Whether it's the digital stuff we talked about or even work-related, like, you just don't think you're stealing. It's just a, it hasn't come to your attention yet. That's another reason. We don't envision any real consequences. It's a big one. Like we just think, what's the worst that could happen? Kids, I mean, teenagers cheating in high school. What's the worst that happens if they get caught? They don't get kicked out anymore because parents show up blazing. Oh, it's not that big a deal. Like what are the consequences to stealing a Cox login? I don't know. No Cox guys are like knocking on anybody's door. So, But Christians don't live with this mindset of, I just think about if I'm going to get caught and what's the consequence. I think about there is a father in heaven who is watching everything I'm doing. And I'm not gingerly walking through life because I'm afraid, but reverently walking through life because I want to make him proud. And then we are driven by pragmatics. It's just t- we just want it now. Like, why do we have all these things? Because we are so pragmatic. We want what we want. We want it now. Like, one thought I had while I was away on my break is I'm just people watching wherever we go, Texas, California, kind of. Christians should be weird. You're like, "Mm." Like, not weird socially. Weird as to why they do what they do. Oh, you want to watch the World Cup? Here, just take my login. No. Why not? Because it's not mine. Everybody does it. Yeah, I know, but I, I just, no. That's weird. My dad runs a small business, and his CPA thinks he's the weirdest man ever. And this will happen all the time. He'll come to him with tax stuff or payroll stuff, and he'll say, all right, Mike. Most people would do it this way, but I know how you are. Tom's not a Christian. My dad is. Here's how I think you'd want to do it with honesty and integrity. (laughs) He's weird. Mike should be weird as he runs a company. We should be weird. 
we should not be driven by pragmatics. Part of it's Mark said at the beginning, this church is meant to make us live all of life all for Jesus. But so much of Christianity, the way it's packaged and presented and lived out, is like a Boy Scout badge. I'm a Christian. I'll put it there next to my American flag under my I started a fire in the rain badge or whatever else you get in Boy Scouts. Like it's just a, it says, no, take off that old Boy Scout uniform, even though it fits perfectly and it's comfortable. And put on this new one that doesn't quite fit, but in time, in God's grace, with the work of the Spirit, in the community of believers, will start to feel like the clothes you should be wearing. That's what we're doing. This isn't easy. This isn't a pragmatic, let's get a quick fix. This is what does it mean to actually be a Christian in a world that does not promote that? That's our job here. What does it mean to be a Christian? All right, next one. What's the thing we're supposed to put on? This is very... Very simple as well. If you're not supposed to steal, what are you supposed to do instead? Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. We are supposed to put on hard work. Instead of being shortcutting, shady folks, we're supposed to work hard, period. Now, theologically, is there backing in the Bible for God wanting us to work hard? Absolutely. Genesis 2 sets up how the world's going to work. Adam and Eve go out and cultivate. It's a work word. Subdue. It's a work word. Have dominion. Make the wild look like this. Create civilization. Work hard. And here's the kind of framework. Work six days. Take a day off. My kids are all learning math at different levels, so I love to do math with them. If we're talking percentages, that's 85% of our time is devoted to hard work. Work hard. Work hard. Work hard. We sang a song, Kingdom Come, about a world we live in that is not Genesis 2 world anymore. Genesis 3 shows up, and then everything gets cursed, and the ground specifically gets cursed, and it says there's thorns and there's thistles. Work is hard, but it's extra hard, unnecessarily hard now because of the curse. I was just working in the yard with the boys, Mowing the lawn. It's my favorite thing. It's just quiet. Can't hear anyone yelling. It's perfect. I think I'm going to be able to mow my lawn in heaven. I just, I think that's work I get to enjoy in heaven. I'm going to have a great yard, better than I have now, and it's going to be great work. And I'm going to go outside on a Saturday and mow my lawn. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be work. There's other work that I don't think is going to be in the new heavens and the new earth. Then me and my son went and pulled all these weeds that popped up from all this rain we've been getting. Stupid little weeds everywhere. Stupid neighbor's tree dumping all these stupid pine needles in my stupid yard. (laughs) Work hard. Lawn mowing's great. Weeds, it's part of the fall. We are told to encounter both and still push into it. You fast forward, and two of the biggest theologians of the Bible, Jesus and Paul, both worked hard. Jesus was a carpenter. Paul was a tent maker. Paul wrote New Testament letters, probably with blisters on his hands. So those of you who are blue collar, take that as an encouragement. There's not a holy way of work. Priests and pastors and such, and then plumbers. It's all work to be done for the Lord. 
Jesus and Paul modeled it. And then finally, Paul starts writing all these letters. And if you read through almost every letter he writes to a church or to an individual, he brings up work somehow. And he rebukes people. So I wrote here, in Ephesians, work hard. That's what we're in. Colossians, he says, whatever you decide to do, just do it with all your might. Because God's watching. Thessalonians, the, there was some trickling in of bad theological truth saying that Jesus had already come back. So they kind of got lazy and started sipping margaritas thinking, oh, this is heaven now. This is, work's over. And Paul said, get back to work. Stop being idle. Work hard. He writes a letter to Timothy and Titus, young guys who are starting churches. He talks about work, and he talks about work to women in one. He says, make sure the women are working at home. And some people have taken that to say, a woman's role and her place is in the home, period. That's not what Paul was saying. The backdrop there is people were living in kind of good times, affluent times, and women were starting to get idle and neglecting some responsibilities. And Paul said, that's not what a Christian does. Put off idleness and get back to work. He wasn't saying, here's your confines. You stay within the home, ladies. It was, hey, don't forget to do the basics of life. Work, work, work. Our day and age is no different. We have tons of ways to check out, to neglect the work in front of us. There was a million times being on my phone was way easier than dealing with my boys on my time off. And Paul would say, hey, put off laziness. That doesn't mean drop all electronics, but just means be aware of tendencies to neglect work. Paul says he had to bring it up in every letter he wrote. Work hard. Work hard. My wife and I are watching a lot of Netflix. Jerry Seinfeld has a great show, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. He just takes a guy out, girl out, and interviews them. And he has a, another movie called Jerry Seinfeld. It's just his walk through fame and how he got famous. And there's this one talking about a comic convention in Vegas that some young comic was asking him about. Not a famous comic. Like, should I do this? And he said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Comics don't get funny overnight by going to some convention. He's like, hey, you want to get good at comedy? Here's what you do. Go to work. Go to a club, get booed off the stage. Go to another club, try not to get booed off the stage. Go to another club, get less booze. Go to another. He said, work, work, work. Like a comedian, the comedian maybe of our day. Tell me the answer, Jerry. Work. Write jokes, tell jokes, erase the bad jokes, go back to work. Work, work, work. He's not a believer in Christ, but that's the essence of Christian life. Work hard. Go to work. Here's the other thing we see in there. It says, let the thief no longer steal. Let him labor doing honest work. Your work should be hard. Nobody gets out of that. And your work should be honest. That word is the same word for good that's used all over the New Testament. So just in your own head, is my work honest? Is it good? How do you even answer that question? Like, am I giving good work? Like, how, how do we even go about? I've had to do all these kind of mental adjustments in my head because I come from a dad who's construction worker, mom who's waitress. So work is very laborious, on your feet, sweaty. My dad's up at four to beat the sun. He's in attics all day. And now I'm pastor boy. 
Just working hard over here, writing my message. Hold on a second. More cream, please. Like, so each calling has to figure out what good, honest work is. It's not the plumber's better because he's sweating than the pastor who's not sweating because he's got AC. It's in your line of work. Are you doing honest work? Luke Simmons, our lead pastor here, used to do this 360 review where you send out these reviews to people below you, people in your ministry or staff that are under you, your bosses above you, people in the church, and people working alongside you. So you had this like 360 view of what you were like as an employee. It's good times. Good times. Nobody likes that, but we all need that to know if we're doing honest, good work. I wrote down some simple things you could do. Go to your boss and say, hey, how can I make my work better? Like, I want honest feedback. People don't get that because people don't want to hear the truth. But Christians can hear the truth because we've got all the bad news on us and Jesus took care of it. Ask your boss. Ask your coworkers. Hey, how could I be a better coworker? Hey, what could I do to be better? Ask your customers. Hey, what can I do to be better? So that you're doing honest, good work. And finally, he says, let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. It's got to be your own work. The greatest slash dumbest invention in the history of the world are group projects in high school. <laughs> Do a group project. Great. Can I be on Tiffany's team? It was always a girl who had her stuff together and did all the work. And I got the grade that Tiffany earned or Jennifer earned or Susie earned because guys are lazy and we know who to attach ourselves to. <laughs> it's your own work. As I read about kind of Judgment Day stuff, as I read through the Bible, it's an interesting picture of just being fully exposed by myself without somebody taking any of the credit or blame that's on me. Like, we should have that mindset. Is this the best I can offer in this moment? If it's not, you repent, and you put on hard work by the Spirit. It's got to be hard work. It's got to be honest. It's got to be with your own hands. And then finally, he says, why should we do this? Put off stealing. Put on hard work. Why? Because we can. I love thinking about what the authors could have put in this section, or what I would have put in this section, or what we would have put in this section. Stop stealing. Work hard so that you will be fulfilled. Paul doesn't say, so that you'll have a fulfilled, existentially wonderful life. He doesn't say, so you may retire early. I want to retire like at 37. I got a couple years. There's nothing wrong with when or how you retire. But if that's the chief priority motivation, Paul would say, uh uh. You may be comfortable. Doesn't say that. And here's the one that just dealing with next gen and families and young kids and so that your kids will have the best possible life ever. Doesn't say anything about that. <laughs> Doesn't mention your kids once in the hard work section. It's interesting, if anything. What's he say? We can share with those in need. Why do we work hard? So we can share with those in need, period. 
You used to wear these clothes. You were shortcutting. You were shifty. You stole. You wanted life given to you. You didn't want to put in work. Take that off, not overnight, but by the Spirit, in time with the people of Jesus, and put on hard work. It's hard work. We've got every generation represented here. Some generations work hard naturally. It was part of the cultural moment they were in. The young folks are not part of that cultural moment. We need help helping each other put on hard work. Why? So we can be fulfilled? No. So we can share with those in need, period. Why don't we share with those in need? Why don't we want to share with those in need? Why is that not the natural outfit we have? I can tell you I became an expert in it over the last six weeks. I've been parenting a lot. It's more blessed to give than to... Everybody knows that. Nobody believes it. You know who really doesn't believe that? My four sons. God told me, and he wants me to tell you, it's a better life if you give. Be a giver. Don't you want to give? It's happier. Ah, 99% of parenting is trying to get kids to believe that. Which makes me think 99% of being God is getting us to believe that. Like, we just don't think happiness is on the other side of hard work that leads to giving. Happiness is on the front end of what we take that we want in the moment. The other thing I think is we don't think God thinks that way either. Meaning, our God is not as giving or as hardworking as the God as he really is. Like, I just picture God frustrated with me, annoyed with me. When I really want something and beg, like he'll snap his fingers and do a little genie thing for me to get what I want, and then so I'll leave him alone. The God of scriptures is a God who is pursuing us. A reckless love we just sang. A reckless, hardworking love that caused him to put on flesh, left the comforts of heaven, went to work in his hometown. Everybody rejected him. His own family didn't believe in him. They said, who is this guy? He's the hardworking God who knows that it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's the better life. It's the better way. Jesus did it for us on our behalf so we could do it for others. Let's pray. God, thank you for just being direct and specific. God, thank you for giving us direction, clear direction, even in a passage that doesn't necessarily apply in a big way to a lot of our interactions. But this idea of putting on hard work applies to all of us. In this truth, this reality of wanting to live a life that's able to share with others, God, we want that, and we don't want that at the same time. So help us to want that because we really believe you when you say it's more blessed to give than to receive. Help us to believe that your life lived here on earth was the perfect embodiment of that. That you are happier because you gave yourself to the hard work of becoming human, 
living obediently, and going to a cross that you did not earn so that you could share yourself with us now and forever. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.